is wild that that's just how leaders were chosen. Well, I'm actually like the cousin of the yeah, thing, and I'm often over here land that you've never been to. It's, it's like the hidden flap on the family tree that they lift up, and they're like, "Look at that! Yeah, that's me. I can like, rule." There's like a crown drawn on it too. Like, wow. Well, looks like we don't have to figure this out through voting. Three gold or, pieces in there. Oh my god! There's just a twenty staple to it. Like. <laughs> For you, if you just make us the king and or queen. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Or I guess I should do the British accent. <clears throat> Good day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to another. That's enough. I'm just insulting every <laughs> I also You also said good day, which is like Australian. So, you know what? I just like to make my uh, my different impersonations of different cultures inclusive of all cultures i mean australia is just a british prison island so again when <laughs> technically it works when great britain was on their conquer the world uh shenanigans which again they were actually from germany so all things just germany <laughs> anglo-saxons coming up hey anglo-saxons but welcome to the podcast i am your co-host evan roosh and with me as Always, we have the just the smoothest man in podcasting, <laughs> Jacob Shop. Smooth physically, but <laughs> you you don't know. All of you at home don't know this, but I am completely hairless and utterly smooth. <laughs> just the bright lights are just bouncing off your scalp right now. And Any photos you've seen of me are all photoshopped. You have no idea. That's the reason why we don't have a marketing budget. It just all goes to Jacob's wig budget. <laughs> and my and the various creams I use to keep my sin, skin the, silky smooth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just all of our money, yes. But today we have a really special episode for all of you, highlighting another individual in history. And this is actually a kind of a suggestion uh, from someone in my family, my brother, uh, and him and I love the show The Last Kingdom, which is a very popular book series, novel series, and it was adapted into this really awesome Netflix show, um, which is just extremely popular. I mean, I honestly just think anything based in Britain, whenever it gets a show, just always like, pops off like The Last Kingdom, and then Peaky Blinders. Yeah, and then it was Handmaid's Tale and like shows like that, and obviously Downton Abbey. Yes, Downtown Abbey. Handmaid's Tale is uh that's a US specialty. Is it really? Oh yeah. I've never watched it, so I have no idea. I watched the first season half and I just got too too upset. It's like seeing a lot of parallels ah. uh, about uh just not giving women rights. Oh, well, that, yeah. That'll happen, I guess. Yep. <laughs> US We need to stop USA. that from happening, hopefully, right. but Right, yeah, right. Evan, Evan proposed the idea to me like three weeks ago or four weeks ago, maybe. He was just like, you know what I want to do? Let's cover the history of how England became a country. <laughs> and I thought, oh, he's got a plan. We'll figure out how to do this if he's suggesting this. And then, yeah, it turns out we didn't figure out a plan for that. And it isn't very exciting unless you talk about just all the wars. So we could just do individual episodes on those. Right, yeah, and definitely, I wanted to do the entire history, like, from the Saxon invasion of England to all the way to, like, the first establishment of the first ever English full empire, united empire, but that's, like, a thousand years of history. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And that's a lot of names uh, and a lot of dates, and I think, personally, it's just more interesting to highlight 
some people as we go along, including our main man, Uhtred the Bold, that we're going to be talking about uh, for a majority of today's episode, which, if you're familiar again with the Netflix series, uh, the Netflix series, the main character's name is Uhtred of Bevenberg. So, for all the fin- for all the fans, he was an actual historical figure. Um, it is a little bit different from the books, but his life, Uhtred the Bold's life, is extremely interesting as well. Yeah, so I kind of did like some shorthand notes just to like catch up on where England is at this point in history, where this guy's at. I started like, I found a website. I don't remember. The website is called EnglishHeritage.org. So I'm kind of trusting that they know what they're talking about. Fingers crossed. But they start all the way back at like prehistory for England. So it goes all the way back. Wow. So I did some shorthand just to like get us caught up very quickly so that we don't have to spend 14 episodes going through a thousand years of history just to get to this guy. <laughs> Again, I. My eyes were bigger than my stomach could actually eat when suggesting this. So, as all places, it obviously starts just hunter-gatherers, like small groups of people, and the island of Great Britain was actually connected to the mainland before the Ice Age ended because... (gasps) Patagonia? Yes. Well, yeah, pretty much. It was just that the water level rose. Oh, Pangea, sorry. (laughs) What what did you say? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I said Patagonia, the clothing, <laughs> like the clothing like, company. The clothing, like your face I told- was half like, oh yeah, he got it, and half like, wait a second. Yeah, I totally just glazed over when you said that and did not even realize that. Wowza. So Pangea, not Patagonia, yes. not a sponsor. So once the Ice Age ended and the water levels rose, then it just kind of closed that land bridge that was connecting the island to the mainland, and then Great Britain became an island. So then it was separated kind of from the mainland and had its own natural border now. So, as they always do, the Romans eventually show up, first with Julius Caesar, and he kind of doesn't do some great things in that area, especially just on the northern coast of mainland Europe, where they pretty much kills off a bunch of Celtic people. Genocide, baby. <laughs> yeah, so we'll probably do an episode on that, because that's a whole other story. But, yeah, they, they eventually show up. He... This, like wins a few battles there and then eventually leaves because there's a bunch of shit going on back at home that he's got to go deal with because everyone's kind of mad at him. And then after he's deposed, an emperor, emperor called Claudius comes, actually takes over the island and begins like a 300-year process where everything in that sector of the world becomes more Romanized. So then they kind of, you start seeing more of the like set up cities you see like villas going up and stuff like that and throughout that 300 years there's some minor interruptions obviously people don't want to be subjugated by another empire and there's one figure called Boudicca who is a queen in that area whose story is super awesome she was just by all accounts like this tall redhead just badass woman so she's another there's like seven different topics just within this first part that you could cover on its own so eventually, they have some opposition to the north, set a boundary, which is now a famous wall in Great Britain known as Hadrian's Wall. And then the Roman Empire leaves around 400 AD because they can't supply defense for an island while also covering the mainland. So then they leave. And then a bunch of Irish people and other people in that on the island start invading England and then going back and forth, infighting. Christianity shows up. Germans show up. <laughs> Vikings show up. <laughs> There's just a lot that happens. 
Uh, so the Vikings show up like late 700s and then eventually make an agreement with the inhabitants of England and say, okay, you, as in you meaning the Vikings, can stay here in the north and eastern part of the island, like our section of the island. And then eventually they don't want them there anymore, so they start fighting again, and then the Vikings eventually leave. And then William of Normandy comes in, and if you don't know anything about him, the Battle of Hastings is like the yeah. most documented battle in the history of the world, pretty much. It really is, yeah. So if you haven't heard of that, you can go look up a little bit of that, and I'm sure we could do an episode on that too. And then this is where kind of the feudal system shows up, where it's classes, like peasant class goes to the underneath the higher ups and then underneath those are the noble it's the whole thing and that's kind of the time period where our friend Uhtred shows up yeah tremendous job of something just some I, I, of tens of thousands of years of history just, yeah just skim through yeah, it's man. pretty much always just like germans show up christianity shows up vikings or some other nomadic tribes people show up yeah and there's a lot of fighting yeah as soon as the romans left england it was really just fair game for all these outside conquerors would-be conquerors i should say and the people that were left there the britons were just they were having the worst time yeah because the scots are fighting them from the north the irish are fighting them from the north you still have like romans coming in from the gauls coming in from the south right yeah the anglo-saxon invasion um and the Anglo-Saxons did not like the Britons one, one bit. Nope. Another little sprinkle of genocide that they just learned from the Romans. And it was a, England was an absolute wild time before it was actually made into the single entity kingdom that would eventually, eventually become uh, through William, William the Conqueror. Like England was caught in the different kingdoms uh, known as like Wessex, East Anglia, Northumbria, where Uhtred the Bold is from. And, many other little kingdoms. They were constantly infighting. There were constant blood feuds. Um, the, the noblemen ruled all the different lands and people just had to farm. So this is very similar to like feudal Japan. Yeah. Another, you know, classic island country that people love the history of, uh, where in feudal Japan, it was the same situation. And then from uh, just these different lords having access to the food, they naturally grew armies to protect that food and protect their wealth. And from there, you know, these different kingdoms were formed on England, again, like Wessex and Northumbria. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because all of these random tribes that show up here and eventually settle here and and begin fighting for power, it's crazy that they can settle in enough that they just decide, let's go outside and just go take over everything else. And Guys, hear me out. Like they're at just the town meeting. Like, hear me out. These people have some land. Let's make it ours. <laughs> yeah. So, and the feudal system it lasted for six hundred, seven hundred years in England before it was finally deposed. And the only reason that they got rid of it was because of the Black Death. Yeah. Because everyone started dying, so all the peasants demanded better wages because there was a labor shortage, obviously, and that eventually it just grew into that middle class with there's obviously still the peasant class where they just have no avenue of upward momentum but yeah it's kind of interesting to see how all of that coincides to create new society it took just the losing of one-third of europe's population and england specifically lost like 50 percent 
it took 50% of the workforce <laughs> to die for people to be like, you know what? Let's uh, we should pay you guys. Maybe a shekel or more would be <laughs> nice. We don't. We're literally not asking for a lot. Um, but now diving into you know our main man Utrid, uh, Utrid the Bold, as who he was in real life, and Utrid of Northumbria, uh, which is how he is known in the, of course, classic show or classic show, <laughs> the hit show, The Last Kingdom. So, Utrid the Bold was the elderman of Benberg. Uh, which, um, as we know now, is where the current location of Bamberg is. So, slight, slight pronunciation differences. Town names in England are just so funny to me. Especially how they spell the word center. It still throws me off to this day. Yorkshire. Yorkshire. London was like L-U-M-D-E-N back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but he ruled from 1006 to his death in 1016. His actual birth date is unclear and disputed, with some sources saying 971 or 989. So, a little bit of a difference. It's his other name, Al Bielik. Al Bielik. <laughs> My birth certificate says this, but... <laughs> That's actually how we came into power. It's like, I have this document that's not in my handwriting. I can, says, I can make a ship teleport. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Uhtred is recorded as, or his first recorded uh, action of history is to, or is that he helped move the remains of St. Cuthbert in the year of 995. Uh, and the reason why that's important, St. Cuthbert, like Jacob mentioned, the introductory or introduction of Christianity into England, St. Cuthbert was instrumental in that. Like he was the person that really brought Christianity to England and brought it specifically to Northern England. And the Cuthbert sect of Christianity is actually more of a cult than anything. Like they truly waged battles and wars for a finger of St. Cuthbert. Like in England, just two nobles were like, hey, no, that finger belongs to me. It's just crazy. And men lost lives because of it. And these are all just missionaries that are showing up and just yeah. spreading Christianity. So now they don't probably don't even know that there's that f- battle fought over their <laughs> finger. Just, I, I just came to help. <laughs> I'm literally just here with my Bible whacking people on the head. I didn't mean <laughs> to kill anyone. Uh, but he was, uh, Uhtred was born to Wailthoth of Memberg, uh, who was the son of Osulf I, who was the first recorded high deputy or elderman basically ruler of Bamberg. I was waiting for you to pronounce some of these names because, man, these like n- like Norwegian, <laughs> like Norse almost themed names that show up in this topic are <laughs> impossible to read. I always choose the worst like episode topics with the worst names. Yeah, <laughs> it's all like the combined A and E letter oh. for their first letter of their names. Gosh, yeah, and like you make it easier not easy for yourself but like with the philadelphia project it's like all right albert einstein everyone knows yeah, yeah. Yeah, nikola trying, tesla yeah right i'm trying to be like wealth and usulf but uh utrid is a very scandinavian name which suggests that he had a viking heritage uh, his mother is unknown um but at this point in history ethelred the second or ethelred the unready uh, was the king of England. Not a great name to have if you're a king. 
What if you're known for being not prepared? <laughs> and his uh, his grandfather was known as Alfred the Great, who was literally just one of the most. He's a super interesting. So dude. good, yeah. And then you just pass it on down <laughs> to, to your son. He wasn't ready, but little is known of Uhtred's earlier years. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, the first kind of mention of him is helping these monks move relics, including the body of. St. Cuthbert to Durham in 995, and he cleared a site for a new cathedral. And this was extremely important for early Christianity, especially in England, because it ruled truly all of their decisions, uh, whether a town was going to be built or if, like, so, let's say there was a holy site uh, in construction, they would also make that a fort or a citadel just because... As we know with the Vikings, they love to uh, attack the occasional cathedral and steal the completely unguarded uh, golden crosses yeah. that, we, that they like to make. Kind of wild that we just had giant golden relics sitting around in open containers. And the people there were like, yes, this is right. I had to work 80 hours to get a bag of wheat. Yeah. Nah. Let's give let's give the church the money to make these things. And then King Edward, five hundred years later, was like, "Pope made me angry. I'm just we're gonna get rid of all of that." Yeah, this sounds like I'm gonna start my own thing. Yeah, a bishop named Aldhun uh, founded the, this this cathedral, and Uhtred would then go on to marry this bishop's daughter. That's that's the wildest payment. I've ever heard. It's just here. You help me build this. It's like if you were working in construction and your construction, <laughs> like the guy in charge, the foreman of the construction project was like, "You did a great job on this this building we just put up." Here's my daughter. Here's my daughter's hand in marriage. But it's just so typical in this time. Women were basically used as peace weavers. Like if you were a noble woman. Oh yeah. Uh, if you were the daughter of a king, nobleman, whatever, you're. Kind of sole purpose was to be a representative in the different courts and to obey the husband that you got wedded off to for your fathers to gain money. Which is how England and Scotland will become friends later on. <laughs> that is very true. That conquer or that literally kind of stops them from fighting for a hot sack. Uh, but in doing so, in, in this marriage to Echfrida. Sure. Sure. There's her, a random G in there. There's Her name's kind of a nightmare to look yep. at. <laughs> Uh, he inherited a portion of church lands in Durham, and he and Ekfriga would have two children together, Eldred and Eowulf. So it's important to just establish this basic timeline of kind of who Uhtred is, like he's entering his first marriage, things are just going swimmingly, he just built a spanking brand new cathedral uh, to, help ca- to help not Catholicism. Well, I guess, yeah, Catholicism. It is, yeah, at this point. Um, especially because now the architecture is becoming more Roman again because right. William of Normandy showed up. He kind of restructured everything, and now we're getting like a lot more Romanesque architecture and buildings and stuff. Which props to them. Roman architecture is cool. It is. Uh, shortly after the establishment of Durham, naturally, the city was taken under siege by Malcolm II of Scotland. Now, Malcolm II was newly appointed, or excuse me, newly anointed King of Scotland, and the southern kingdoms of England, such as Wessex, East Anglia, etc., were having a very tough time with new Viking raids and an entire invasion of Vikings into the south side of England. And he saw this opportunity 
to basically invade Northumbria, which was where our main man Uhtred is from and is the northern kingdom of England at this point. And it's also uh, also thought that King Malcolm was just kind of keeping in tradition of the Scottish kings where as soon as there was a new king anointed, they had to basically conduct a wreck rig, which translates to royal prey, which is a customary raid by a new king to demonstrate his capabilities in war. So it was you get the crown and also you have to go invade your neighbor. Pretty much, yeah. You know, classic medieval stuff. My sister did the Ancestry.com like genealogy test yeah. and figured out that we are mostly Scottish. So this whole time that I was reading about this stuff, I was like, I guess I got to root for the Scots to win this stuff. <laughs> I have no choice. It's blood. Sorry, Uhtred. It's just it's nothing personal. You got to back blood, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at this point, during this invasion of Malcolm II, uh, Uhtred, uh, whose father was the actual main earl of, at this point in history, was the main earl, the elderman, the king, if you will, of Northumbria. But he was really really old yeah and couldn't really do anything so he sent Uhtred and Uhtred was able to rally men from all over Bernicia which was northern Northumbria which consisted of Durham as well as Northumberland also Berwickshire and East Lothian um and as well as Yorkshire However, one of the other kings of southern Northumbria, Alfhelm of York decided to not come to aid in this defense of Durham. And some people believe this is actually some sort of conspiracy that he had a deal with Malcolm II to basically take over uh, Bernicia, which again was the northern part of Northumbria, after the defeat or supposed defeat of Uhtred and his men. And Durham... The actual city itself does benefit from occupying a position with strong natural defenses, with the loop of the River Weir surrounding the peninsula, which the city finds itself on all three sides. So an approach by land, without having to cross the river, is only possible from the north. And on top of all this, Durham actually occupies a prominent position on very high ground with steep wooded slopes going down to the river, which would be extremely difficult to climb for an attacking army. So with Northumbria fighting amongst itself, I guess you could say that Malcolm was in the middle. <laughs> Stand up and take a bow. That was beautiful. That whole time you were talking, I was like, where can I get this in here? <laughs> Let me get my jokes off. Evan, Evan stop this talking. This is my one good con- contribution here today. <laughs> and he brings the house down. <laughs> Not much is actually known about the battle that happens at Durham. Unfortunately, we just don't have those historical records, but apparently it was an extremely heavy defeat for the Scots. Uh, A lot of speculation leads that uh, Malcolm II and kind of that arrogance and again doing his his wreck rig um, kind of basically just charged up. And again, Durham was extremely well fortified in a great position. So he lost a ton of men. It was an extremely heavy defeat for the Scots. So, sorry, Jake. That's Those are your boys. We'll come back. <laughs> uh, and, of course, this was an extremely decisive victory for Uhtred. And, of course, 
for whatever reason, the one actual takeaway from solid, like we know this happened, takeaway from this battle is that local women washed the <laughs> severed heads of the Scots and each of them received a payment of an entire cow and the heads were then fixed on stakes to Durham walls to remind the Scots to never come again. But how medieval is that, that women were given just the heads of Scott, or just the entire cow for helping out with washing some severed heads? I remember when I was doing research on the Voynich Code way back in the day, it was, I was trying to figure out what the monetary exchange would have been compared to like now so I could say, oh, this book was worth a lot back then or whatever. And it's, I think it was 700 ducats, I think is what the currency was called. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was trying to find what was a ducat worth in if we compared it to money now. And I could not find it. And then one person was like, it was a loaf of bread, some chickens, and a, like a side of beef or something like that. I was, how is that? How do you know that? In today's standards, that's like 10 bucks. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like, like a meal of beef, a chicken leg, and some bread. Yeah. Uh, as a reward for his actions, Uhtred was appointed the elderman, or again, it's just another word for king of Northumbria, by King Ethelred in 1007, while his father still lived. And now this was extremely, extremely odd, as, of course, the oldest or the actual person that held the position usually had to die before someone took over, but... King Ethelred was like, no, no, let's speed this process up. This is the one thing he was ready for. Right, yeah. <laughs> to promote someone else that was better. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Uhtred is the elderman of Bernicia, which again is the northern part of Northumbria. And then old Ethelhelm of York, who took no action during the siege, was accordingly murdered on the king's orders. Let's go. Get so, that snake out of the grass. Right, don't need him. Then Uhtred then succeeded Ethelhelm as Elderman of York, uniting northern and southern Northumbria for the first time. Let's go. Yay. Woo, 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 woo. Huge time to be a Northumbrian at this point. I feel like everyone else just didn't care. <laughs> this is literally just a fight between the two dudes. Right. Everyone else in England was like, tight. Cool. I'm going to keep on sewing for someone that's going to pay me nothing. I, I literally don't have a house. I just live on the field. I just like, it's the, I mean, it's the best view of all time, just underneath the stars. That's true. Until Grand. it rains. I would love to see yeah, in England, too, where it just rains all the and time. it's cold. Yeah. Following this rise to prominence, Uhtred then promptly dismissed his wife, Ekfriga. Peace. And married Sieg, who was the daughter of a man named Steer. A wealthy Danish citizen of York, so... Weird, a guy getting a come up and then ditching his girl. <laughs> Who is he, Russell Wilson? Oh, <laughs> oh got him. Some of the most infamous it's... pictures from the NFL draft archives. <laughs> uh, this... come, come, come to us for your NFL hot takes. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, of course, this was a very political marriage, uh, again, to stabilize and unify Northumbria. However, it did come with a price, and the condition of the marriage was that Uhtred had to eventually kill a man named Thurban the Hold, who was an enemy of his new father-in-law, Steer. Again. And if you could tell anything by the name, Thurban was a Viking. Yeah. Vikings are badasses. <laughs> My literal next note was, Thurban was a Danish nobleman, but it's like, that's just, like the audience gets it. Yeah. Uh, his title, The Hold, uh, denoted him as a landholder, 
and was somewhere in rank between a thane and elderman in prominence. So a thane was kind of a local lord, and elderman was the big overarching lord. So our man Thurband was in between. And like I said earlier, they kind of made an agreement with the Vikings, so they were technically landowners in this part of England at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not absurd that he was technically an elderman in this territory. It's like this guy who holds all of this land also has the same rights as the one tree that was given its own, <laughs> yeah, right. own ability to, you know, hold land. I think that's in England, so. Is it really? Yeah. That's so beautiful. I guess I take back up, I remember right after I found out, I was like, wow, our laws are insane. I was going to cut that out, a, but I was like, eh, well, I, don't, I don't think anyone else is going to know anyway, so. Comedic effect, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Run it back. We may be wrong, but we're funny. Uh, Uhtred was, however, unable to make good on assassinating Thurband, and this came with pretty disastrous consequences, which we will get into in a little bit. Uh, then in 1013, King Swain Forkbeard of Denmark invaded England, forcing King Ethelred to flee to exile in Normandy. And it's kind of funny, this, just the story of uh, King Forkbeard here. He landed, and all of the different elder men, including Uhtred, were like, you know what, this guy actually, he, he seems a lot better than uh, Ethelred, again, the unready to be the king, and he landed, King Forkbeard landed with such an incredible army that they were like, yeah, we'll just join you. And he's always got silverware ready, uh, literally on his face. <laughs> on his face, he's <laughs> like, hey, uh, yeah, anyone need a fork? Anyone need a beard? But seeing that there was no other option, again, Uhtred submitted to the new King Forkbeard. However, King Forkbeard did not last long, and five weeks later, after his coronation, he died. And then the noblemen, which I guess we're kind of throwing that word out pretty loosely, uh, allowed Ethelred to return and resume his reign like nothing happened. <laughs> All of the different eldermen, including Uhtred, submitted and bent the knee to Ethelred once more just, as soon as Forkbeard was dead. Just this old bastard whose name is literally the unready yeah. <laughs> somehow keeps getting put in positions of power. He's just like, I just wake up or just wait out Forkbeard and just took five weeks. This is God telling him that yeah. he is ready. Uh, and then as a reward for Uhtred just saying, hey, I got your back again, King Ethelred gave Uhtred his daughter Elgifuz hand in marriage. So Uhtred again divorces his current wife Just and sw his kids. Swimming in ladies. Uh, definitely swimming. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just he's on wife number three now. He, of course, accepted this marriage proposal and promptly divorced his then wife, Sieg. And like we mentioned before, women, not a lot of rights. No. They were strictly used as peace weavers, and marriages were like this were extremely common. You had to pay to marry your daughter off in this time period. So you oh literally God, gave yeah. a guy money so that you could not have your daughter anymore. You, that, I mean, oh God. We're kind of just getting into the root of, ooh. Yeah, it's not good. No. <laughs> then in 1015, Swain Forkbeard's son, Canute, also made a claim to the throne. So Ethelred just got back, and then Swain's son, Canute, is like, hey, man, don't get comfy. Don't get comfy at all. 
uh, Canute landed with a huge invasion force on the eastern side of England. Uhtred, this time bounded by marriage, came to the support of his brother-in-law, Ethelred, uh, and in particular, Ethelred's son, Edmund Ironside, which, very strong name. Sounds like a boat. Oh, old Ironside, <laughs> actually, like, it's just this man from England. <laughs> uh, but Canute had allied with one third brand, the Hold, whose position in England just kept getting stronger. Canute's forces were far too large, and Uhtred was forced to submit to him as king, again, without a, any real battle. He then attempted, Uhtred then attempted to negotiate his position with the newly found King Canute, and was summoned to a meeting with the new king. However, on his way, uh, or excuse me, however, when he arrived, Uhtred and 40 of his men were murdered by Thurbrand with Canute's consent. Yeah, I just imagine the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. It's just exactly that. <laughs> it is truly exactly that. So, and this is a, this is a quote uh, from one of my sources. After King Ethelred's death, when Canute had laid hands upon the whole kingdom of England, he sent to the Earl ordering him to come to him as his new lord. He did so having accepted safe conduct for his journey and return. On the appointed day, he entered the king's presence at Wyheel to discuss terms of peace. Through the treachery of a powerful king's thane, Thurbrand, known as Hold, the king's soldiers, who had hidden behind a curtain, spread across the width of the hall, suddenly sprang out in mail and slaughtered the earl and forty of his chief men who had entered with him. I wonder if the curtain was red. <laughs> but this spawned an extremely bloody feud between the two families. So if a failed assassination didn't do it, the murdering of basically, imagine a governor of an entire state just getting murdered. And Uhtred's brother, Aidwulf, inherited the lands of his brother in Northumbria. However, Canute uh, then created or excuse me, Canute appointed Norwegian Eric of Helther, his brother-in-law, uh, the actual elderman of southern Northumbria. So again, north and south, which was one united, once united under Uhtred, were now separate again. And this murder triggered a long-spanning blood feud, and Uhtred's son, Eldred, would actually avenge his father by killing Thurbrand. Only later to be murdered by <laughs> Thurbrand's son, Carl. It's so funny that I remember reading this part and it was, it said blood feud. And I was imagining, okay, maybe one or two of them will go back and forth, but it's the next three generations are just killing each <laughs> yeah. other wholesale. And then in 1070, Eldred, so Eldred again was the one that killed Thurbrand. Ten se- and then Thurbrand's son, Carl, killed Eldred. And then in 1070, Eldred's grandson would kill all of Carl's sons and grandsons. Yeah. <laughs> so if you th- again, England at this point was even wilder than Wild West. It was a hotbed of activity going on. And people could just do this and just be like, well, blood feud. It's funny. I just killed all of these guys. Now I own this land. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Uhtred's sons would then continue to rule Bernicia. Uh, Eldred, um, specifically, until his murder in 1038. Then Aidwulf would continue until his death in 1041. 
the land kept on getting passed uh, down to different, <clears throat> excuse me, kept on getting passed down to different heirs. Um, Uhtred's third marriage did produce a daughter whose name was Edith, uh, who married Maldred, who was the brother of Duncan I of Scotland, basically uniting the Scots and Northumbria, which meant no more war. For now. For now. With many different battles, as well as assassinations and constantly changing political alliances, as well as, you know, murder, uh, the life of Uhtred the Bold was just as dramatic as that of his fictional counterparts. So, this man lived an extremely interesting life that's very different from the Netflix show, but still very interesting and equal in drama uh, in its own right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Just extremely interesting man. You know, there, and this is just kind of a fraction of his life, uh, considering that not much was able to actually be written. But he lived during a very pivotal time in England's history. And then eventually, uh, William the Conqueror would come. Which, like we mentioned, may just need to be a whole nother episode. Yeah, so after Uhtred's time and William's time and stuff, it's pretty much a bunch of ruling families that take over. Like, the Tudors are first during their rule. They pretty much break from, like, the Catholic religion, become Protestant. And then after the Tudors, it was the Stuarts, and this is the first time when the Scots and the English officially become combined as a total country, not just Northumbria. But then there's a huge civil war because the parliament is mad at the monarchy, and then this is where they officially get a parliament rule instead of a, like a mon- monarchical society. I don't know if that's the right word. But this civil war, it was said to have pretty good amount more casualties than World War I for, this, for England. So really? that's how bloody the civil war was between the, the monarchy and the parliament. So I didn't know anything about that, but that's why. Wow, we did not talk about that one at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, this is where we get like unified Great Britain after all of that. And then, yeah, then it was the Georgians. This was where the Germans came back and took over. And then, well... I say took over, but it was distant Germanic relatives of the previous ruling. And then this is the Seven Years' War, Revolutionary War, Napoleonic Wars are all going on. So this is just a very violent time for Britain. But this is where they become the dominant power that they are, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then we get the Victorian era, and then pretty much leads into modern day. So It really shows, just going to this earlier history of Britain, their history kind of led them to be ready to be that huge dominant oh, world yeah. power just because they were very familiar with fighting, very familiar with battle tactics just from beating up on each other as well as holding off Viking invasions. And it really led them to kind of be, kind of become dicks in their yeah. own right as the, as the British Empire, but still incredible history. Yeah, once... Once we got past the Black Plague and they started to revitalize the country, that's kind of when they began their huge world conquest takeover because everything was starting to become a little more calmed down on the mainland so then they could focus on actually going out and doing other things. But Mm -hmm. it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. But I do hope that you guys enjoyed that episode. A little bit shorter than what we usually do, but... It was a good spotlight on one in particular man who's just the fascination of 
millions of fans around the world, and turns out was a real dude. Yeah, not in the same light, but real dude. I actually saw. I don't know who writes the books for the Last Kingdom, but he apparently does a really good job putting notes in the back of his books that have references to who the real people in his books actually are and stuff. Oh yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, very cool, very cool. But. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on our different social medias. First on Twitter, at gems underscore history. You can follow Jacob at Jacob from Wisco, then myself at whatevskis. You can then find us on Instagram at gems underscore of underscore history underscore podcast. And finally, on TikTok at gems of history pod. And go join the Facebook group, the Agora Gems of History discussion page. The new Facebook group, absolutely. I think we're out. We just started it, but I think it's at like twenty people. So Ooh. good start. But yeah, if you're if you're in there, get the conversations going. Start posting. Introduce yourself. Tell everyone who you are. Hopefully, make some new friends. Get some fun topic discussions. All that good stuff going. So yep, name and one icebreaker. Yep, and fun. Facts. We're doing this like it's kindergarten class. Absolutely. And then we'll all make. Special name tags and crayon. I would love that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hope you guys enjoyed this one. As Evan said, just a, a little bit shorter, but I still think it was a, a good, good factual episode. We had a lot of good information in there. As we said, we summed up, what, 1900 years of British history. I say summed up, very overarching. And I'm sure we'll actually dive into like the actual points and important events uh, throughout our next, you know, 50 years of doing this podcast. <laughs> I would I would love to do a Black Death series in general just because that's fascinating. And it changed the entire world. Oh, yes. And then yeah, like the 7 years war, 100 years war. There's there's a lot of big wars that we could talk about. So, a lot of stuff going on. And Evan loves war. Just huge huge fan. Actually, the only decorations in our studio are different signs that say the word war in different fonts. <laughs> yep. I always tell him we should change it because it doesn't make it a very welcoming atmosphere, but here we are. Show intimidation to all of our future guests. This is why we haven't had any guests. <laughs> war, 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 war. War and times the Roman. But anyways, that's what we got for you guys this week. We will be back next week. If you guys got any good topic suggestions, throw those in the Facebook group. We will start reading through those, picking some of them as we go. And yeah, hopefully we can bring you guys some fun, fascinating content. We will talk to you guys later. Everyone have a great week. Adios.